أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسوله سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه وذرياته أهل بيته من تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وبعد the father of Allah Taala it's the 26th night of Ramadan and it's the last Friday night of Ramadan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill it with barakah and with nur and with his fadl and with fuyub that changes the hearts for the better. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept it from everybody. Uh, inshallah Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq that we not blow the rest of Ramadan. Rather it's a very precious commodity and it's, it's, it's fleeting. It's running away from us. Allah ta'ala give us tawfiq to make good use of it and accept it from us. So we continue. We were reading uh, a abridgment of... Mawlana Ashraf Ali Tanwi, uh, a small booklet he wrote on the concept of Jaza'ul A'mal, the recompense of deeds. Uh, and so we're, we continue reading the, uh, this abridge, abridgment. Um, the first part of it was his theoretical introduction to the concept. Uh, and now uh, there are some more details. Section 1. One of the effects of sinning is that a person is deprived of knowledge. Knowledge is an internal light which is extinguished by sins. Imam Malik rahimahullah had advised Imam Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala as follows: "Inni ara Allah ta'ala qad alqa ala qalbika nuran, fala tutfi'hu bi zulmatil ma'asiya." He said that I see that to his pupil Shafi'i rahimahullah ta'ala. I think he was thirteen when Imam Malik passed away, so he's just a kid. But this is a firasa Imam Malik knew, even though he was just like a, a, a teenager. Barely even a teenager when he passed away. That uh, he knew that there was something special about him. So he said that uh, this is his firasa as well. His, his, uh, his uh, uh, you know, his uncanny and, and, and supernatural uh, intuition. That he said that he said to him, he says, I see that Allah Most High has, has, has cast upon your heart a, a light. So do not extinguish it with the darkness of, of disobedience. Um this is one of the things that, that I think is missing uh, from people's, people's practice or, or understanding of the deen, I should say, nowadays, is that people think of knowledge as information. They conflate knowledge as information. When we talk about ilm in the deen, uh, uh, we're talking about a, a, uh, a, a compound uh, ability that someone possesses. It is the two sides of the coin, the knowledge in the mind and the, the understanding of it in the heart. Otherwise, just the knowledge without the, without the ma'rifah, the, 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 it's, those are just ma'lumat, it's just information. This is one of the reasons why uh, the ulama are not excited about people who go and you know, learn about Islam from a university, even in Muslim countries. Why? Because the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said what? He said that, uh, uh, he said that uh, uh, you know, Al-ulama'u umana'u rasuli ala khalqillahi That the, the, the people of knowledge are the trustees of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. They're the trustees of the Rasul over the creation of Allah ta'ala. 
And so when you get a PhD in Near Eastern languages and civilizations or in Islamic studies or in theology, uh, uh, you know, at an American university or an English university or a French or German university or at Ilahiyat faculty in Istanbul or one of the other universities in the Muslim world as well. Tell me, which class teaches you how to be the trustee of the Rasul sallallahu alayhi wa or the creation of Allah? Nobody will ask you whether you got up for Fajr. If they do, it's completely a personal thing. It has nothing to do with your actual formal training. The two of them are divorced. So you may have graduates, although oftentimes because people don't take these things religiously, uh, oftentimes even the ma'lumat, the, the, the information that they learn is deficient. But every now and again, you'll get a graduate who does know, know their stuff information-wise. But that nur isn't there, or if it's there, it was sought from somewhere other than the university. The university gets all the credit for the information, and then you find out someone has a sheikh somewhere, or someone was taking lessons with one of the mashayikh or one of the ulama. And so, uh, you know, I, you know I, am I saying that there's no point in uh, practicing Muslim and getting one of these degrees? No, but it's not ilm. The point of it is not ilm. The point may be that you grab ilm from somewhere else and then you go into these, uh, into these fields and defend Islam or whatever, or that you may be able to increase in your ma'lumat in the information that you receive. But this is, this is not ilm according to the, the, the definition of ilm that comes from our akabir mashayikh, like Malik, like a shafi'i, right? The ilm is what? What did Malik say? It's a, a light that Allah Ta'ala casts into somebody's heart. And it's the difference between, you know, you know, it's the difference between somebody who has a lot of knowledge and they do things like they will uh, advance uh, different uh, fields uh, uh, of, of uh, you know, uh, of, of sciences and math and uh, other things, uh, etc. in order to benefit people. And then another person will take that same math and science and they'll develop an atom bomb with it. Is that smart? No, it's dumb. To be able to design something that can like, you know, that will one day go on to be, have the ability to destroy like 95% of the, uh, you know, the world's life in less time than it takes Domino's to deliver a pizza. It's pretty stupid. And so uh, there's no light in that at all. All of it is darkness. Even though the information is the same, but because the ma'rifah isn't there, all of it is darkness. And uh, this, is, this is something you will, you will not receive this light from a kafir. Rather, Allah Ta'ala forbids a person to try to seek ilm from, you know, turn away from the one who, uh, uh, turn away from the one who turned his back on our remembrance and doesn't wish for anything except for the life of this world. Uh, that is the extent of their ilm. Their ma'rifa has nothing to do with the other world. It's just the extent of their 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 ilm is what it's just the the, the surface level information ma'lumat that they can grab from things around them. Allah Taala commands us to turn away from it. If you don't like it and you think I'm being extreme, then go take it up with Allah Taala. Go argue with, with him. It's, I didn't write the Qur'an, nor did my father, nor did my grandfather, or my mamu chacha I didn't write it, that you can argue with me about it or call me a fundamentalist or whatever. Go take it up with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you actually believe in him. Uh, this is something, this is something to, to understand. Now, what is the effect of sinning? Imagine this, is that the, the effect of sinning, remember we talked about some sins lead to other sins, which are the, the certain sins are punishments for other sins. Uh, and, and they will lead to a type of destruction that the original sin uh, uh, did not uh, uh, did not lead to, and so this is one of the worst and one of the most uh, 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 just horrifying uh, uh, of of consequences of sin, uh, which is what 
which is that the light that Allah Ta'ala put inside of a person's heart is extinguished. That ilm is not merely just the idea that you know that in the Hanafi madhab, you know, if you talk after the salam, you know, then uh, you, you can't get up and, you know, if you accidentally the imam makes salam after one rak'ah and they talk, then afterward they can't get up and make the second rak'ah again in the Hanafi school, whereas in the other schools, you know, uh, if, you, if it's just a simple conversation like, oh, I think we only prayed one, then you can get up and continue praying, right? It's not just that. That's not what we're talking about right now. There are people who can there are people who can learn that, but they don't you know they don't have iman inside of their hearts, um, uh, and uh, it's not just that. It's what it's that this kafia, this internal condition that a person has be, in, inside of their 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 hearts, it's extinguished, and this is why you know you see what's the difference. Someone asked what's the difference between the the sahaba radiyallahu anhum and the aslaf and between them and between us is that we have these huge books of uh, huge books of fiqh and huge books of aqidah and huge books of hadith and all of these things and you see they're all dissected bit by bit according to a very rational uh, uh, a very rational and a very philosophically robust like framework we analyze in books uh, those things and they bring a wealth of meaning to us those people that was actually their life that's what they lived do you understand the difference why the light was inside of their heart so they didn't need they didn't need uh, uh, so much formal education in order to understand it the books of tafsir that you'll find someone's tafsir is written in 30 volumes that, those were the kafiyat that those people used to carry with them inside of their hearts and that's the Sahaba radiallahu anhum. Imagine what the kafiya, what the condition of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam was the, the nur that's inside of his heart, alayhi salatu wasalam. And that's the the idea is that that what we want to make iqtibas, we want to like you know we want to we don't have the ability to start the fire ourselves, so we take the the wood that we have and we light it with their fire and it also starts to burn and it gives us light. Uh, um, and once that fire is put out. It's not merely that you won't be able to understand like, you know, what to do when the imam accidentally prays one rakah instead of two. What is the fire being put out? It's kufr. It's, it's that iman is taken away from a person. And uh, it's a, like on a, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a whole in a holistic sense, it means that your deen is a fail. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like if you don't know this one masala, you can still go to Jannah. But if your heart is deprived of nur, then you failed. Even if you if you if you've memorized the thirty volume, uh, you know whatever mutawal like you know detailed uh, books about like the, the Sharia and the law and things like that, it's a complete fail. And uh, this is this is something that this is one of the reasons why the study of tasawwuf is important is because it lets these things get put into perspective because people get mired in details sometimes and they miss that bigger picture. And he says one of the effects of sinning is that a person is deprived of knowledge. When a person is a jahil, they don't know the difference between good and evil anymore. They don't know the difference between good and bad. They're a living body in a dead heart and their, their life has no benefit from them. And it's a very scary condition. A person is like a zombie, you know. Zombie movies are not ever critically acclaimed as the feel-good movie of the year. What are they? They're scary. Why? Because it's this thing. It has all the gross things about a corpse. Plus it's trying to eat your brain, you know. And there, there's a dunya full of these people. There's a dunya filled with these people. And if it wasn't for the grace of Allah Ta'ala, we also would be one of those people. Now imagine if someone gave an antidote. So you have two, 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 uh, 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 two uh, possibilities. You can either you know, take lighter fluid and burn every one of them. There's five, you know, what are five billion of them, four billion of them in the world. You can either take lighter fluid and burn them all down. Or here's an antidote. You can inject it in them. They'll become a human being again. Obviously the latter would be preferable to anybody who has any shred of decency and humanity inside of them. 
uh, and on the flip side, you know, which one of us who are, are like one of the few human beings left would want to be like, oh, look, you know, the zombies, they look like they're having so much fun. I, you know, I, I want to taste some brain too one time. So you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're worse than a zombie at that point. You're an idiot. You're worse than this. Because their excuses, their zombies, they don't know any better. If you're the one who's actually attracted to that despite having known better, you know, those are the types of sins that lead to the bigger sins that were mentioned from before. This is to me one of the scariest things. One of the scariest. That a person commits a sin and then they, you know, the risk is decreased from like, what are $50,000 to $40,000 next year or whatever. You know, that sucks because everyone loves money. I mean, I won't try to pretend I'm like an exception to the rule. But, you know, you'll get over it. This is one of those things you won't even know until it's too late what you've missed. Allah Ta'ala protect us. And section two is that the, 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 he, he talks about the uh, result uh, of sin as the decrease in one's sustenance. Hadith uh, in this regard was previously quoted. Section three, a sinner experiences a type of dread toward Allah Ta'ala. Uh, uh, this is a point which can be understood by a person who has the slightest inclination. A person complained to a Sufi once that he was experiencing dread. The Sufi replied, In kunta qad wahashat kad dhunubu fada'ha in shi'ta wastatnis. He said that it, if sins have caused you to experience dread from Allah, then give them up and you will experience affinity again. And here the dread is not like fearing Allah. Fearing Allah Ta'ala, like khashya and, and taqwa, and these, these, are, these things are actually a good part of iman. Here the dread is such that just the thought of Allah Ta'ala makes a person want to run away. You know, there are some people who don't like religion just because the thought of like, the thought of having to answer for their deeds they just don't want to think about it. They just, they, they completely like want to ignore it, pretend it's not there. Hopefully it'll go away. It causes them anxiety. But Allah Ta'ala is the one who, He's the one who fixes a commandment on himself, mercy. He's the one who dec decreed that my, my mercy outstrips my anger. He's the one who decreed that my uh, mercy outstrips all things. He's the one who said to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Say to my, 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 my slaves who have committed excess against themselves uh, that don't ever give up hope in the mercy of Allah Ta'ala. Uh, indeed, Allah Ta'ala forgives uh, uh, all sins, all types of sins. Uh, indeed, He was ever forgiving and merciful. Uh, so the only person at that point who is not eligible for the mercy of Allah Ta'ala is the one who just doesn't. You know, just doesn't want doesn't want to ask Allah Taala, or doesn't just has an irrational hatred for Allah Taala. Otherwise, everything is forgiven. Everything is forgiven. We don't believe we don't believe like some other religions do that God has it out for them. We don't believe like uh, uh, you know we don't we don't believe in like original sin that you're born in sin and that you're damned to die a sinner and blah blah blah. Allah Taala didn't create anything any human being except for there's a maqam for them in Jannah and they choose they choose not to go there. Right? There's, a, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that everyone will go to Jannah except for the one who refuses. Uh, there's a hadith of the Prophet ﷺ that Allah Ta'ala will show every human being when they die uh, their maqam, either in Jannah or in Jahannam. The people of Jahannam, He'll show them their maqam in Jannah, Allah created for them. And so you refuse to take it, and now it's going to go to someone else. Uh, 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 and he'll, sh you know, that's the tafsir of the Surah Al-Mu'minun That those are the, the inheritors that inherit uh, paradise They will be therein forever That once all the people who are going to come out of the fire are out 
Uh, Allah Ta'ala, the angels will make an announcement in Jannah that any plot in Jannah that's unclaimed as of yet, go stake your claim there and you can take it. Uh, uh, and so uh, the only person who doesn't take it is the one who doesn't want it. Islam has, Islam has in it room for sinners. MashaAllah, we have some sinners are crazy. Some of the sinners in Islam are crazy people. Like Muslims are cute, you know, like someone commits zina and they like, you know, they feel like, oh, I'm so horrible, I'm so bad, and they want to kill them. So I mean, none of you have like, whatever, like you're none of your Hitler, like, you know, killed six, six million, 10 million people in concentration camps. Stalin sent people to gulags and Mao Zedong and weird, you know, uh, weird type of people who like literally live their life as like the exponent of atheism. You know, there's, you know, so a Muslim is like, oh, you know, I, I drink alcohol. It's like, oh, really? Is that all? Uh, uh, Allah is the one who says that he forgives all sins and this is all you can bring. Uh, uh, you know, and even the sinners nowadays, they don't know anything what the old, the old people, even during the rule when there's a khalifa and there's ulama and there's a qadi and Islamic court and all of these things, read like Abu Nuwas and these, these, these were like some really screwed up characters, you know, um, and they still made tawbah at the end of the, at the end of the, at the end of their life and they, you know, tried to make good with Allah Ta'ala. Uh, they did sins that we, that that if you re, re read about read about them, you would be like, this is a really messed up customer. But you have to admire the fact that these are people who they at least knew this about Allah, whereas we're heedless of Allah. So what type of zina and what type of drugs and alcohol is worse than just being heedless of Allah? They knew they knew who Allah was, and they 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 didn't uh, you know they didn't shut that door on themselves because they knew from Allah Ta'ala's side it's open. This knowledge itself is a great level of piety. There's a lot of piety in it as well. And it doesn't excuse doing bad stuff. But I'm just saying, you know. Uh, uh, so, so this dread, this dread, is, this is, this dread is something that a person should be afraid of. That the Allah who is there to forgive you and to help you, if you dread meeting Him, you know, uh, um, then you're basically, you're afraid of like the only thing that's going to benefit you. That's a real bogus situation to be in. And that's one of the effects of sin. Uh, section four, sinning causes a person to feel dread toward fellow humans as well, especially toward the pious and righteous people, all humans in general, but especially toward pious and righteous people. This is why crooked people are very misanthropic. They no longer have the ability to feel sympathy with other human beings. They lose the ability to, uh, um, to just benefit from like the humanity of another person. Uh, that person's heart is no longer inclined towards sitting in the company of the righteous. The more that, that dread increases, the more distant he becomes to them and the more deprived he becomes of their blessings. Um, this happened with the same Abu Jahl and uh, Abu Lahab and Al-Walid ibn Mughira and Uqba and all of these, you know, uh, all of these like uh, uh, whatever, like gang of villains from Quraysh. They're literally like the, they were the, the relatives of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, they're, they're, they're Qurayshi people who lived in Mecca and they're the relatives of the Prophet Sallallahu In any other, in any other age, these three would be enough to make a person think that this is probably like some sheikh or some pious, real pious dude. And uh, they, ha they happen to be like some of the, like the farayn of the hellfire. Why? Because their hearts were so destroyed through their, through their sins that they're not even able to go to the Prophet Sallallahu and benefit from him. Uh, um. A pious uh, elder once said, and this is not like like the elders of India and Pakistan, this is like from the Aslaf. Uh, he said, if I commit a sin, I experience uh, its effect in the attitude even of my wife and uh, of, of even like the other creation. He said, even my, the animals, the livestock no longer will listen to me anymore. Uh, he said that they no longer, no longer obey me anymore. This, this also is very uh, scary because the people who are going to be the means of your benefit 
um, that it cuts you off. The, the more a person sins, the more they poison that, 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 that relationship and the more they cut off, get cut off from it and then they're left uh, you know, out to dry and then do those really screwed up things that will completely destroy their destiny. Will Allah Ta'ala be our protection from it? Allah Ta'ala be our protection from it. A sinner experiences difficulties and obstacles. In section 5, a sinner experiences difficulties and obstacles in most of their dealings. Just as the paths of success are open on account of piety, discarding piety causes the paths to become closed up. Uh, things, that, things that should be easy then become more and more difficult. Section 6, a sinner feels a type of darkness in his heart. If he ponders over this a little in his heart, he will perceive the darkness clearly. Obviously, most of those people don't. Some people, I guess, do, but most of them, if so if you can, please do it before it's too late. Uh, otherwise, most people, by the time the darkness becomes so, uh, uh, you know, blinding that a person is not even, even able to uh, see it, they're so dead. The force of this darkness results in a state of confusion and perplexity, which causes the person to fall into innovations, deviation, ignorance, and eventual destruction. People like, you know, will follow some new prophet or some new cult or some new group or some weird like these types of things. And you see that there are the people who are the most like scientific, modern, you know, uh, uh, logical, rational, worldly, materialist people. Those people are the ones who like end up calling the Psychic Friends Network and end up, uh, you know, having trolls and like tying knots and stuff and like, you know, weird superstitious, like hyper superstitious type stuff. Those are the people who end up doing those uh, those types of things. Uh, the effect of darkness uh, on the heart then comes into a person's eyes and spreads across their face, which can then be seen by others. Uh, be, by others meaning those people who still ha have nur left in their light. No matter how handsome and beautiful uh, a flagrant sinner may be, a condition of darkness is visible on his face. Sayyidina Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu anhumah said, Piety results in light on the face, light in the heart, expansion and sustenance, strength in the body. Uh, in love and uh, the hearts of the people toward that person, meaning the people who have themselves iman inside of them. Sin causes the face to lose its light uh, 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 and it causes darkness in the heart and in the grave, lethargy in the body, constriction and sustenance, and hatred in the hearts of, uh, of people toward that person. Section 7, Sin sinning causes weakness in the heart and the body. The weakness of the heart is obvious in the sense that the person's enthusiasm for good works decreases until it becomes non-existent. As for the weakness in the body, we know that it is subservient to the heart. If the heart is weak, so will the rest of the body be weak. Uh, look how physically strong the Persians and the Romans were, yet they could not stand in the face of the Sahaba. You see the Sahaba when they came out of the Arabian Peninsula, they fought, they fought a technologically advanced civilization or a set of technologically advanced civilizations. The Persians, they were so advanced uh, from, from really, literally thousands of years before Rasulullah uh, that they could, you know, they could dig a tunnel from two sides of a mountain from miles away and, and uh, the, the tunnel would meet in the middle. Can you imagine digging through stone how difficult it is just to make a hole that doesn't a tunnel that doesn't collapse, and there's no you know there's no GPS there's nothing you know signal if you miss each other by even a small amount you'll never know. But they were a techno te technologically advanced civilization, uh, um, and uh, they their wealth was accumulated over centuries, over generations, kings and and and, and dynasties past. 
and they accumulated wealth, they accumulated knowledge, they ac accumulated uh, traditions, military traditions, etc. And the Romans are are well known uh, are well known to the world, but still they 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 couldn't even meet eyes with eyes with them in the battlefield. They would f flee from the battlefield. And this is not just a thing that, that has to do with Muslims. Muslims, if you start doing the thing, you know, you remember we mentioned yesterday about uh, Sayyidina Abu Darda crying, weeping on the conquest of uh, Qubros of Cyprus. This happened when the Mongols invaded uh, invaded the Muslim heartlands. The, 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 the Khanate of the Khorazm Shah in, in Central Asia. Um, what happened was Genghis Khan, who, you know, I mean, he was... He was a violent person. Nobody's gonna say that he wasn't with a straight face. But he didn't destroy. He didn't destroy uh, uh, the the Khanate of Khorazm and the Muslim states of Central Asia for no reason. Uh, the Khorazm Shah he, he had an ambassador sent to him, and in court intrigue, the Mongol ambassador was killed in treachery. And another ambassador was sent to ask why was our ambassador killed, and that ambassador was killed also in intrigue in treachery. Then it's on. Then he's like, this is it. We can't, you know, we can't just let this uh, go by. And obviously massacring innocent people is not a way of solving these problems. But he wasn't a Muslim. And they say that the, the uh, Muhammad Shah, the, 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 the Shah of the Khorazm uh, Khanate, um, the king, he was, he was himself. And the Turks are warlike people. They're like the cousins of the Mongols. I mean, they fight with the same tactics, everything. In fact, when they, when they uh, get beat by the, by the Mongols, oftentimes they'll just be absorbed into the army because they're very similar. They're ethnically very similar people. And so what happens is that he has a whole army. And in the, just right before the battle, the king is seized with terror and he flees. He flees the battlefield. Now imagine if you're an army and you see like the commander of your army and the, the sovereign ruler of your nation bail in the middle of battle. Is that going to make the battle go according to like some sort of orderly plan or is it going to cause chaos? It completely caused chaos. There's no way they're going to win after that. His One of his sons who was hitherto ignored for, for power and for the throne, uh, his name was Jalaluddin. He was a pious and a, 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 a brave and competent commander. He took a small faction of the, the army and, and kept the uh, Mongols like through hit-and-run tactics at bay for some time. But he had such a small group of people under his command, he wasn't able to resist them. Otherwise, the rest of the, the, rest of the Khwarazmian army was destroyed. And literally, this happens city after city after city, all the way through to Baghdad that they, they, will, uh, 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 they will basically taunt them. Uh, 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 Chinggis Khan and then after him, uh, Hulegu, who the Persians will give the nickname Halaku, which is actually not his name, but Halak means like death or destruction in Arabic. They nickname him this because of because of how like just merciless he was. He would literally write letters to the uh, to the Muslim rulers, and he is a, like a shamanist, like a pagan. You know, he he would write letter to the Muslim rulers of these cities. He would say, "Don't try to don't try to uh, don't try to fight against us. We know what kind of people you are. We know that that you have you have your deen and your qadis and your ulama. They tell you one thing, and we, we know that none of you follow it. You all do something else. He goes that you can think of us as a scourge that Allah Ta has sent on you." We give you two options. You either give everything up right now and surrender unconditionally, or we promise we'll kill everybody. And they did it. Uh, they did it. They would rich, poor, everything. They would kill. They would destroy. They destroyed the entire civilization of uh, of, of of Islam in the East uh, and in the Central Lands. And people think that right now somehow like we're in like the worst era of Muslim history. That's probably a much worse era than 
than the one that we're going through right now. Because the Bukhara, Bukhara and Samarkand, Tirmiz, you know, uh, Khorazm, uh, Baghdad, uh, uh, those, those cities, you know, the cities of Iran, uh, 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 you know, Isfahan and Shiraz, those cities, they're not the cities they were back then. The people are not the people of those cities. The traditions are not the traditions of those cities. Those were all wiped out. They're all white clean, and then and other people came and inhabited the the the, the houses and whatnot afterward. Um, and but this is something that that happens is that uh, uh, you know because of this weakness, this dread, this weird kafiyat that comes inside the hearts of people. The people, the humanity is completely gone, and uh, uh, and this is really all that's left, all that's left for them. And you'll see in 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 the eras like that. Right, so you see the complete opposite. What happened to the Romans and the Persians it actually happens to the Muslims when the Muslims start doing the same things that the Romans and the Persians do. Uh, um, and you'll see even in those times, however, there were people from amongst the Muslims who stood in the face of the Mongols. You'll see there are still people amongst the Muslims who stood in the, in the face of destruction and they, they ice skate by without, without getting harmed. You know, uh, the Battle of Ain Jalut. Uh, uh, it's fought in uh, like basically Palestine, you know, southern Palestine, uh, uh, between the combined army of Syria and, and Egypt, and uh, uh, the Mongols hitherto have been undefeated from Mongolia all the way to imagine all the way to through Syria, they're hitherto undefeated. At this point, people stop even fighting with them. You know, they just surrender. Uh, but uh, you know, they not only they they destroyed their uh, they destroyed Qitbuqa. The, 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 the Mongol commander, not only did they destroy his army, they sent his head to uh, Hulegu on a plate. Why? Because Seyfuddin Khutuz and uh, 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 Ruknuddin Babers and these people, the commanders of that army, they were pious people. They were pious men. Mansur, Qalawun, uh, these people were pious men. These are people like they're literally madaris and things like that that were opened by these people. These were God-fearing people. They had concern for Islam, for the Muslims. They used to pray five times a day, etc., etc. And it wasn't just one or two that they can be engulfed by everybody. They actually had like, they established a society like that. You know, people don't know that, that Hafiz ibn Hajar was like, you know, employed in the Zawiya of, uh, of, of Babers, you know, the Khanqa, uh, right? Uh, one of the ribat that Babers made in, in, in Cairo. I mean, these people, they, they built the, the dola in order to serve Islam, to serve the deen, to serve the ulum, etc., etc. Uh, and so Allah Ta'ala, uh, you know, these weaknesses and sicknesses, because it sounds like you know, it kind of gets a little heavy, a little negative. Everything, the, the, the good news is every time someone says something negative to you, there's another side of the coin. Why do we have to be so negative about everything all the time? So many things we're so negative about them. Right? Like if you, you know, whoever uh, imitates a group of people is one of them, which means like, oh, if you dress like a kafir, you're a kafir. Well, maybe, but maybe also means that if you dress like, dress like a pious person, you'll become a pious person. You don't have to take everything negatively. You should take the negative part and take a warning from it. And then you flip the coin around and then see how can I use this information to benefit me as well. So uh, it says that the, the just like obedience gives a person strength, uh, uh, um, uh, uh, just like uh, obedience gives a person strength, uh, uh, disobedience weakens a person. A sinner is deprived of obedience, and this is something that may seem like somewhat intuitive to a person, but it's it's different, right? A sinner is deprived of obedience, meaning that a person commits a sin and they have that as well, and then they think, oh, I'll just make up for it later. No. Actually, part of the punishment for the sin is some part of your obedience also is taken away from you. This is one of the reasons we said that also, that people, the pious from the past used to spend 
the time of Sha'ban and Istighfar, why? So that the sins that are going to prevent them from being able to do uh, deeds of piety in Ramadan are forgiven before Ramadan comes, so there's no longer any block. That one of the punishments of the sin is that on top of the sin, the time and the efforts and the energy of it being wasted, a commensurate amount of piety will then be taken away from that person uh, aside from it. Uh, today he will leave out one act of obedience, tomorrow he will leave out another. On the third day he will leave out yet another. In this way all good deeds slip through him because of sinning, like a person who takes one uh, very tasty morsel of food, which then causes him to become so sick that he is now uh, not able to eat several meals thereafter. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us. Inshallah we'll stop here and we'll uh, continue the rest of it. Uh, uh, inshallah tomorrow wa sallallahu tabarak wa ta'ala wa sallam ala sayyidina muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in inshallah uh, um